Blog Talk Radio. Coming. Uh, I, um, how is everything with you, and how you doing? I'm doing good. I mean, we're all uh, having fun in this COVID time, but I'm grateful that I'm uh, allowed to work and and able to work from home. So uh, I can't ask for anything more, really. Yeah, it's been strange here. Seems to be going on. So strange. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, are you um, are you adapting? Okay. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's a bit more work, I think, than uh, normally it is. I mean, I, I'm a production designer, so I run an art crew for a movie, and um, normally we have a few meetings a day, maybe. But at this, you know, during this time, it seems like most of the day I'm just in meetings because communication is just more difficult. Like, you know, there's so much more that has to get across. Um, it's it's unbelievable, um, but it's working. Production design's cool. How did you get into that? Uh, I was um, boy. I mean, really, my first kind of big art job was right out of um, uh, college as a layout artist at Disney, um, and I did layout and and visual development with design. Uh, and then I sort of switched into visual development after four or five movies, left Disney, um, kept doing that for a few years, and then started art directing at Duncan Studio, and then Sideshow Collectibles, and then got a um, production design gig at Sony um, in, boy, when was that, 2006 or seven something like that? And I've been doing that ever since. Really. Um, uh Production design is a credit that is obvious to me, but would you explain it to the audience so they know what exactly you do? Sure. Um, in animation, it's, it has traditionally meant a couple different things, um, but currently it essentially is the person who designs the style uh, of an animated film uh, or of live-action film um, as well, um, and then kind of oversees uh, throughout the film um, the kind of um, execution of that style and implementation of it. Just make sure that, you know, once the thing that's established um, in the beginning um, stays 
you know consistent all the way through the film and uh, it, it also involves um, you know adapting and really closely working with the story uh, to bring the emotional beats of the story uh, into the visuals um, so that when you're say feeling fear in the story you see it also um, through lots of different means but that's essentially kind of what I do. Cool. Um, so, how did how did you get into um, art, art? Were you artistic in school? Um, how did you get into art? Uh, I I think there's a little bit of um, I don't know what you call it. Kind of like a uh, a little low hum in my family of of art and artistic things of artistic nature um, uh, my dad's side of the family is, is interested in music and theater um, and my mom's side of the family actually has some illustrators and painters in it um, only one of who I knew well no two um, uh, an uncle of mine and then a great aunt um, and then I have another great aunt who um, who actually just had a bunch of stuff released by Sunset Magazine. She did a Sunset Magazine cover in 1939, I think it is. Um, and now there's like puzzles and and mugs and things like that. So, but I never knew her. Um, and my grandfather drew uh, and drafted. He was an engineer. My dad was an engineer. He also drafted. Um, but my grandfather drew with me. He had an interest in illustration and tried to draw do life drawings and things like that himself so he always bought me you know art books perspective and how to draw cartoons and you know landscapes and things like that and um, I mo spent most of my kind of early artistic um, I don't know what you call it uh, focus on sculpting and building little dioramas um, for you know kind of fantasy scenes and things like that and I didn't really consider that art. I didn't even really consider myself an artist or think about it um, until I was a junior in high school and took my first kind of real art class. Uh, and I just got lucky. My art teacher was was like a regional program art teacher. And uh, my senior year, like all the best artists from the school, the uh, high schools in sort of the Bay Area, Silicon Valley area came to that class and to my school uh, for an after-school kind of thing. And and that art teacher, Gary Post, you know, talked to my mom and said, you know, this guy is an artist, you need to send him to art school. And it was really kind of through that, that and through his sort of, um, you know, encouragement of the fact that, hey, yeah, you are an artist, like, look at, you know, your work is better than everyone else, and, and it's really who you are. Um, that I said, okay, wow, I guess so. You know, I was going to be a biologist or something because I love nature and science. Um, but that's really kind of where I um, got into art. Well, if you have a love of nature and science, that can go really well with art. Yeah, <laughs> it's a big help. You know, it makes me love perspective. It makes me love, you know, how light bounces around and all the angles it makes and the the colors and the shadows and. You know, uh, there's, you know, anatomy, there's plant anatomy, there's geology, all these things 
uh, even how you know how to build furniture and houses and uh, you know how everything works. It, it's uh, it's fun starting a new movie like when I started on the Star. You know, I was researching uh, the time of Mary and Joseph, and you know how our houses built back then, and what did the cli- what was the climate of Israel back then? Like it was different, um, and you know, so it's like a little bit of a of a kind of like a PBS science show just starting off on a lot of these films um, uh, to kind of discover what it is that you're focusing on. Um, so yeah, it, it has always kind of meshed with what I do as an artist. Yeah, the uh, area of Israel, Egypt, and all that, that was more tropical, right? Yes, it was much more like kind of, you know, a little bit more northern Europe. Um, uh, Lebanon is a pretty good example of something that's a little bit closer to what it was, um, but it probably was a lot wetter. You know, um, I think it was Solomon that was supposed to have, you know, chop down enough trees for an entire fleet of, of ships and there's nowhere near that you know now um, they just can't grow but um, back then I guess they can you know or they could um, so being a carpenter was was probably a pretty highly prized skill um, back then too it makes sense that you know that's what he was <laughs> yes that's true it's interesting because I was thinking what you were saying made me think like the great Egyptian god Sobek was based on a crocodile, and today there are no crocodiles in Egypt. They all went to Africa. They followed the Nile to Africa because of the climate change. Uh, (laughs) You know, it's just really interesting. The whole area is completely different. It must be so strange, because a lot of the artwork, you could see, like, the foliage and stuff is different. Right. Right, yeah, yeah. So it's the same. I mean, like, you get the papyrus is a sacred plant, and that's still there. But oh yeah, uh, yeah, it's a great. You know, the what we consider the say is the Fertile Crescent, Iran and Iraq, and you know that that whole area. Um, you know, it, it's it it is more so than we are thought to believe in films and stuff. You know, Iran has snow and you know tropical areas and desert areas and stuff, but it's not. It isn't quite what it used to be. Um, it just, it definitely shows that, you know, while there was an ice age in Europe, like that area was the hot spot. You know, um, things things move around, for sure. Yeah. Yep. Well, we live on a volcanic planet. It sort of happens, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> it's just like, um, I've lived through two major earthquakes, and I remember when Northridge happened. And all these people say, well, I'm going to go someplace where nothing happened. I go, where are you going to go? There's no place on this planet that nothing happens. (laughs) You're going to find something. uh, And at least with earthquakes, uh, at least in Southern California, it's every 20 years or so. I mean, if you live in the Midwest, you get the tornadoes every single year. If you go to the East Coast, you get the hurricanes every... Where are you going? (laughs) Yeah. It was scary for me living in Florida. When I worked on Mulan for Disney, uh, I lived in Florida for, you know, almost two years and experienced a a tornado a few blocks away from me. Um, And, you know, my girlfriend got up that, that the next day after we heard some strange rumblings in the night and the power flashing and stuff and then 
you know, two blocks down, you know, these two-story houses had no roofs, and people were walking around in an open, you know, second story, and looking at all the damage, and and you know, an entire orange grove was just decimated down to little like stumps, um, you know, and that, you know, that I don't know, like which one would I choose? I I can't say that one is better than the other. No, they're both pretty awful. It, it, yeah, they're all awful, but I'd rather it be infrequently. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, uh, we lived in the Midwest in Ohio, and the one thing I learned about tornadoes is that you never, it, it'll skip neighborhoods. You never know where the thing is going to come right. down. You could be like yeah. one block away, and the next block is completely devastated, and your block is safe. You just, that's yeah. part of the, what happens with it. Right, that's exactly what I saw. It was, it was really, and and you know, you can't really, you know, you can do hurricane clips on your, you know, uh, your roof, and you can, you know, do lots of things, but, you know, a, a three thousand pound oak branch coming through your roof is, you know, nothing's going to stop that, or nope. a two by four coming through your window, you know, if you're standing there, it'll go right through you too, like it. Really, it feels like earthquakes you can prepare for a bit more um, uh, by, well, all the things we do in California, strapping our TVs down and bolting our, uh, you know, shelves to the wall and, and putting certain kinds of locks on our doors and things like that. But um, And, of course, yeah. they, uh, all the buildings have to be structured um, earthquake safe. Well, right, yeah. I mean, but... Even so, you still get bad damage. Yep, yeah. Or you get people who don't follow the rules, like, you know, some of those Northridge places that just collapsed, and they find that, oh, yeah, the contractor didn't really do what they were supposed to. And that apartment complex with the <coughs> student, uh, students? Yeah. And, oh, that was horrible. Yeah. And even Cal State Northridge, it was like, it was shocking. Because that was my school, um, not at that time. I had already left there, but it was still I considered it my school. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Really scary. But yeah, like I said, it takes. It luckily it doesn't happen all the time. Right. Yeah. Yeah. We don't. We don't end up living in fear every second. Just like. Yeah, we, I mean, and you don't know what's going to happen, so it's just you just be prepared, and yeah, if yeah. it happens, it happens. Yeah, that's what we do. That's what we do. Um, so uh, you're also an illustrator. Um, how did that happen? That I can't. You know, I would say essentially that is is what I always thought I would be. You know, I thought I would be a book cover artist and, you know, I would be doing magazine article illustrations and, you know, mostly cover artist is what I thought I would be in, in uh, art school. I went to Art Center in Pasadena. And <coughs> strangely enough, right when I graduated, that whole industry started to collapse. Um, and uh, they're just, you know, the graduates and I, other graduates and I weren't really finding work. Um, um, because the illustrators that were working were, you know, 
they were running out of work themselves, and you know, of course, there's no work for for new people. So, um, I you know, I found this job at Disney and took that. But um, you know, ever since then, things kind of started to grow slowly. Partly because of the video game industry, um, and then tabletop and role-playing games started to kind of grow again. I mean, when I was in art school, those things were kind of you know, those are for nerds. Like, you know, if you're playing D&D, what's wrong with you? Get out, you know. <laughs> um, but now, like, that stuff's all, you know, hot, and it's, it's it, you know, employing a whole raft of people. And, and so that's kind of allowed me to, like, dip my toe back into it at the same time that I still work in animation. So it's always been kind of a dual thing, or when I... Uh, in between films or something like that, you know, I'll I'll do some illustrations for somebody or, you know, like my most recent probably is uh, a couple illustrations in the Dungeons and Dragons Player's Handbook, the fifth edition one. Um, so I get people, you know, they're they're playing the game and all of a sudden they write me and is this you? Like I had no idea. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hey, this is so cool, man. <laughs> yeah, funny. <laughs> Um, when you are working, do you have a method? I mean, uh, for your art, uh, do you like do you like to go outside in nature and do it, or do you have a studio, or is it both, or how does it? How do you do your work? Oh boy, I mean that's a pretty broad question, given that I do a lot of different kinds of things. I mean... That's okay. I like there, broad questions. There, <laughs> specific, well, I guess, you know, for my fine art, I mean, we haven't talked about that yet, but I, I do fine art painting for, for galleries and things like that and, and sell sell prints of it at conventions and, and online. Um, uh, and for that stuff, I really the compositions and the ideas for them come in sketch form in a, a sketchbook and that can kind of happen anywhere you know I'll just get an idea of driving or I'll you know be eating dinner or you know in a cafe or whatever and, and just sketch down an idea and then uh, you know then I'll I'll gather kind of my favorites together and and pick one and draw it or pick one and or I mean paint it and or pick one and and do uh, some model sessions based off of it, um, that kind of thing. For illustration and for for um, animation work, um, there's a lot more kind of. Well, let's let's break that down. So animation stuff usually starts with you know consulting the director a lot um, and internet research um, or research with my own kind of library that I have. Uh, just depending on whatever lines up with what I've got already, um, and putting together kind of idea boards. Um, so I might have an illustration of of uh, you know a cave or something like that, and I have lots of different ideas for rock shapes and for and images of other caves, and and then maybe other images that that convey the lighting and mood that I want. You know, it might not even be a cave; it might be you know a, a screenshot from the film Alien or, you know, a, a the inside of a, of a toilet tube or something, you know, like whatever, you know, has the, all the different pieces of inspiration that I want to kind of glue together and then 
reimagine in my own way. Um, I'll put all that stuff together and then just, you know, either start with a sketch or sometimes I'll start right with painting. Um, it just depends on how determinate um, the idea is. You know, oftentimes there's kind of two ways of working in animation. Like, um, either the script and the director say have a very clear idea of what they want. Um, the, uh, one of the good examples that I give uh, is, you know, in the movie Treasure Planet, which I did a lot of design work for, um, the directors, for some sequences, say the beginning sequence um, it, in the Benbow Inn, the interior of the Benbow Inn was pretty well determined as to, like, what the space had to be, how big it had to be, what had to be in there, because, this, you know, things happen in the story. People sit at a table or they serve from a, a, uh, 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 a big oven or something like that. Um, but then in another part of the story, uh, at the end of the story, the alien planet, Ron and John, the directors, had no idea what they wanted, and they just said, Craig, like, just do stuff. You know, like, we, we, we want it to be feel alien, maybe fungal. And, like, that was the only direction I was given. And so I, you know, in that second case, I just start uh, with things that inspire me, and, and I start in a very basic way with just shapes that are interesting and then I start drawing from you know like well this this might be inspired from a honeycomb or this might be inspired from a diatom or uh, you know a, a microscope a micrograph of, of a of a fly leg or you know something like that you know, um, to come up with something really alien so you know there's times where I'm specifically asked to just do my own thing and other times where the the uh, kind of the four walls are very well determined. So um, there's, there's a lot of you know flexibility in there, and and you have to know when to to do one thing and not the other, of course. Um, uh, and for illustration, you know, it's it's a it's a little bit more determined uh, generally. I find like there's there's a usually pretty clear brief. From whether it's uh, the author or just the art director of the um, the property, whether it's you know, like I've worked on a lot of stuff for Blizzard, for World of Warcraft, um, and, and Dungeons and Dragons. Like I said, um, they have very defined worlds and they have rules. Uh, you know, like one of the alternate illustrations that I was, or the sketches that I submitted for that player's handbook painting was this elf defending against three beholders, which are creatures that have a single eye and some tentacles and that have eyes on them. And and they said, well, you can't have more than one beholder at a time. And I, I had forgotten that or was unaware of that. So I the composition wasn't quite going to work that way, so I changed it to something else, a hellhound. Um, so that, that kind of constraint... Um, is more the kind of thing that comes in, I've noticed, for illustration. Um, uh, more often than not, I, I, I can't think of many occasions where I've just been asked to just go crazy and do my own thing with an illustration. Um, I, I just, 
and this is just popped into my head. Um, as a writer, when I am watching something or reading or walking, something will pop into my own head that will be like, oh, and a whole idea will just open up for me. Have you ever had that, or do, do you get those like these weird inspirations that come out of left field? Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, to me, <clears throat> a lot of my best stuff has come that way. It's, um, uh, I mean, I think we all wish we could always be in that mode where it's something just pops in and you go, oh, wow, that's it, and you and you just nail it down and it's, like, right right out of the boat um, or out of the, um, out of the gate. But, um, yeah, definitely a lot of uh, ideas I've had have just kind of, you know, popped into my head and I, you know, I had to rush to, I remember one of my, you know, one of the paintings that I've done that it's kind of people's favorite, um, is this girl and her brother, um, she has a parasol and, and they're both in half silhouette and there's a light just on her face and there's some dramatic lights in the foreground, um, and, uh, that just came to me in a dream and I, I woke up kind of like in a half-eyed you know, half sleepy state, and I scribbled it on my wall in, in like a china marker, just so that I would remember it because it was such a powerful dream, kind of. And then I, you know, once I got up, I tried it, you know, tried it out in a couple of sketches, and eventually did the painting. And it's still one of my favorites too. Um, so yeah, definitely that can happen to me too. Is that strange? I had a short story series like that that I had. It came to me in a dream. It was just really the weirdest thought, and I wrote it down. And I wrote it as the first one. I just thought, well, I'll just write it as a short story, get it out of my head, so I can go on with my life. And then I got people asking me for sequels. <laughs> yeah. That's great. Isn't that weird, though? I mean, yeah. that what, that a dream can be so powerful that and people want it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We we tend to discount dreams, and I think the more we learn about them, the more you know. I I, I saw, but I have yet to read an article about how, um, you know, there there is a, a building theory that when we dream, we actually enter a parallel universe. We are experiencing actually life in a in a different universe that's um, interesting which you know wow you know it, it sort of makes sense in the way that we all sort of think well i just went to another world when i was sleeping and you know but the fact that it really might be true is wow you know um uh you know and what is it about that world that is is so interesting to us or why do we go there like you know i think that stuff we'll maybe never know but um, I have this yeah. weird idea that dream world is one universe, fictional world is another universe, and we're mm -hmm. all sort of parallel, and that's why we could step into it, what, like when you're dreaming or you're reading or watching a movie. Isn't that... Right. I mean, it's... Because it's so powerful. It it's just true. feels like it. Yeah, yeah. And I think, you know... That's what's so interesting about this this science to me is that it, it it reflects how we feel about it, and and it's interesting how our instinct might actually be true. <laughs> um, that's pretty awesome. Yeah, I never forgot there was this Twilight Zone called Little Girl Lost, 
where uh, she fell out of bed and she fell through her wall, which was an opening to another uh, parallel universe, which was really weird and scary. Um, it, it, I never forgot it. I was a little girl when I saw it and it scared me. Um, <laughs> but, um, and I actually watched it during the marathon again, and it's still scary, even as an adult. <laughs> Um, but you know what I mean? Just the thought that you could put your hands through a wall and it's another universe. It's just yeah. strange. It is, yeah. Um, I wanted to ask you, you're one of the judges for the writers and illustrators in the future. How did you get involved? Um, well, I mean, it's, it's one of those kind of like random stories that, uh, you know, they, they just things that happen to you. Um, uh, I was visiting WonderCon in Anaheim, uh, which I hadn't gone to in a while. Um, I used to uh, exhibit there when I was up in San Francisco, and I tried again when it moved, um, but didn't have a whole lot of luck. Uh, and so I hadn't either exhibited or attended in maybe three or four years, and I just wanted to kind of go and, and check it out because I knew a few people that were going to be there um, and was walking around and, and came upon um, Echo Chernick, uh, an old friend of mine um, who always had a booth near me at Comic-Con San Diego and we got started talking and she said oh you know I'm doing this, this judging thing um, you should just come and see like and, and visit and look at the art and I think people would love to talk to you the you know the contestants um you know would love to to meet someone that does the kind of things you do and i was like sure i'm up for it i mean i always like hanging out with her and talking to her and so uh and her husband um laz um so you know she talked to galaxy press and and they figured out a way to just get me in and 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 see it and even give a little talk um so, uh, you know, I, I did that and, and um, met John and, um, looked, you know, walked around the whole place. And, I mean, it, it's a fascinating place. And, and, and all the contestants were, you know, uh, wonderful people, um, really talented uh, young writers and artists. And, and it was just, I had never really um, encountered something like that, you know, a... It was part workshop, part, it was all inspirational, you know, like, nobody was really competing, per se, you know, it was, um, it was really just, you know, a, a bringing together and a focusing of talent, um, and a nurturing of it, which, um, that's something I love about being a teacher, you know, uh, I've taught at Art Center and Noman and, and Los Angeles Academy of Figurative Art and a few other places. And it, I just love that kind of, like, uh, nurturing vibe, and it really had that. Um, and then, you know, subsequently after that experience, um, they called me up and said, hey, you know, we really liked, you know, the what you brought to the time that you did spend with us, and, you know, why don't you come and be a judge? I was like, wow, that's great, you know, <laughs> sign me up. So, um, yeah, that's that's kind of the the short story of it. Cool. And uh, did you um, 
did you actually uh, judge? Have you judged already? Yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Which one did you judge? Did you judge last year or? The yes, the last time around. Yeah. And what was that like? I mean, you know, again, the talent. Um, you know, it just it, it makes it hard. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You know, seeing you know, I, I did go to so before I did the judge, I went to the um, the kind of uh, I forgot what it's called now. It's the the finale, you know, like the the black tie event. Oh, yeah. On stage, and um, so I got to kind of you know meet and talk to the finalists and see just how you know much it meant to them, um, and see how talented they were, you know, in the last time around, and then. You know, this time it was it was the same thing, and unfortunately we didn't get to do that. We're gonna we're gonna do a a, a two time makeup, I guess. Um, I don't know when, but um, I think it's been scheduled for later this year. Um, uh, so we'll still get to do that. But um, yeah, they were just you know again such talented illustrators that. Uh, you know, I could see them doing anything. You know, um, uh, you know, when you know, I always, when I was doing the judging, I was of course thinking that we were, I was going to meet them, and we were going to do all the workshops and all the things that I talked about that I got to do for the time that I was just visiting. Um, so, you know, for each each person, I was you know, kind of thinking as I was looking at their work, like, well, this person would be really great at this aspect of of art, you know, whether it was a fine art direction or a, and that's one of the things that I like doing as a teacher too, is to, is to watch somebody work and, and given that I, you know, do fine art, I do work in, in film and I work in animation and I work in games and illustration, like I, I've kind of tried all the areas or a lot of the areas that you can paint and draw in, um, you know, I have a, a bit of insight as to what people might fit well into, and I really wanted to kind of get the chance to talk to them and and find out what they were interested in and what they thought they would fit in, and then kind of try to give my feedback as to what I thought like they would be a real good fit fit for. So we'll get to that eventually, um, but that was one of the f most fun parts of it for me cool. is imagining where they're going to go, kind of. I'm sure they appreciate it when you do do it. <laughs> Hopefully, yeah. <laughs> um, so we're coming to the end. Do you have anything coming out? Books, films, parts, movies, anything that you want the audience to know about? Oh, boy. Um, didn't think about that. Um, there's always something, and gosh, off the top of my head, there, you know, the last two films that I worked on, um, I'm not sure when or if they're coming out, um, so I can't really say anything about those. The one I'm working on now is is scheduled to come out uh, on Netflix, um, and it's an animated film uh, in 2023, um, but I also can't say anything about it. It's part of what I love about the film industry. I got this really yeah. exciting project, but I can't tell you anything about it. Yeah, I mean, it's made, Netflix just announced a big slate of stuff, and we weren't on it. And so I'm like, all right, I can't. I'm stuck, you know. Um, there are uh, 
there are a few books that are coming out. Um, um, boy, let's see. I'm trying to remember. Um, what the different ones are. Um, there's a Wizards and Witches one that's called Codex that's just starting to be put together. There is um, a Mermaid one that just came out um, from Art Order. Um, and I think it's shipping soon. Um, I'm just checking right now. They did Tiny Dragons. They did... Where is it? I'm looking it up now. It's not out yet, so keep an eye out for an Art Order Mermaid book. It's called um, Beneath the Waves. Um, oh no, it, it has been out. Okay. That's made delivery date 2021 January. So Beneath the Waves, I definitely have a piece in that. And it's a really great compendium of a lot of illustrators. Um, uh, the guy that runs it um, was my art director at um, Dungeons and Dragons when I did the, the fifth edition artwork. So he has since left, and he's started publishing his own uh, books with illustrators he likes. Um, and he's got some really great stuff. So art order com or theartorder.com actually is where this stuff is. Um, I think that's about all I can really say now. I mean, I'm always making new fine art and I'm always taking commissions and things like that. So, uh, And I sell my jewelry. I have a whole line of jewelry. Um, I do a lot of different things. Cool. <laughs> uh, but that keeps life fun, you know. Um, well, I, I wanted to find out also because we're coming to the end. So I want the audience to know, do you have a website? Are you on social media? And could you give that information out so people can say hi? Yes. Um, I am, uh, my main website is craigelliotgallery.com. Um, and that's, you can find prints of my art. You can find my jewelry. You can find my portfolio of illustration and animation work there. Uh, I also sell... Um, DVD and video downloads of um, some art instruction, you know, how to, uh, how I do, how I work on paintings, um, uh, and how I draw, that kind of thing, um, and, you know, I, I am on social media, um, uh, you know, off and on, I'm not, I'm not huge on social media, but, um, Craig Elliott Gallery is my handle on Instagram, and uh, um, on Twitter, I don't remember my handle. Um, I think it, it's just Craig underscore Elliot. Um, I should have had all this ready. It's okay. Are um, you on Facebook? I am on Facebook. I do have a um, Craig Elliot Gallery Facebook page, too. Um, I can check what that is in a second, too. And Pinterest? I am on that as well. Because I'm going for the ones that I figure are arty. Yeah. 
Let's see, what am I on? So I'm Craig Elliott Gallery, all one word on Facebook. Um, and <laughs> what am I on Pinterest? I'm terrible. I'm Craig Elliott, let's see. No, I'm Art Orchid on Pinterest. That's what I am. Okay. And Twitter? Twitter is Craig underscore Elliot. Perfect. Yeah. Well, I want to thank you for coming on the show. I hope you enjoyed it. You're welcome. It was so fun. It was great talking to you. Thank you. Great talking to you before, too. Thank you so much. Thank you. And thank you for chatting with Sherry. Thank you.